Gamers, this is PJ. And this is Bonnie. And today we are going to be talking about our reads. Our picks. Yes, because this month is going to be um, Reader's Choice. But before we do that, we are going to let you in on the lit chat that we had at the library and just give you kind of a five minute summary of what our lit chat group Thank you. <laughs> of what our lit chat group thought about the 40 elephants. Um, so basically, our lit chat group did not like it. Yeah, it was. Which is along the lines of what we had said. That was pretty ar- across the board. A couple of things that they didn't like was um, there were no redeemable characters. It focused too much on her and people really wanted to know more about the gang itself. And also in terms of redeemable characters, people really had a problem with her. With Alice Diamond, yes. Yes, because she was a hypocrite, which is stuff that we discussed in our Lit Chat podcast. So basically what we had said in our podcast seemed to mirror what our group thought. Yeah. So overall, don't waste your time. (laughs) And that is the blunt truth from Bonnie. (laughs) All right. So with that said, let's go ahead and get started on talking about what we read. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and go first because I only read one thing and I know you read multiple things. Of course. (laughs) So I have lately been getting into gothic novels. I think this all started with Mexican Gothic, and then I ended up reading La Hacienda. And I realized that I just really enjoyed this type of book genre. So I decided to read Rebecca, which is considered the first Gothic novel. In our lit chat group, Diana, one of our members, Diana really likes this book. I believe she said it was one of her favorites and not her favorite. So that got me more intrigued. And I honestly, have to say from the get-go I was a little worried because this book did take was written in 1938 so I didn't know whether the story was gonna be good if it was gonna hold up didn't know um you know the writing style if it if I was gonna like it or not right because that's kind of old old school writing (laughs) yeah yeah, and well, you know, sometimes it's hard. Like when I, I haven't read Shakespeare since, but I remember reading Shakespeare when I was in high school, Romeo and Juliet. Right. And not really understanding it. Like I know Shakespeare's good about adding humor. Right. Where the writing, you don't understand the writing, therefore you miss out on so much. Right. Which is kind of what I was worried about with this book. However, this book was wonderful. Honestly, I have got to say probably one of my favorites. I understand why it's constantly being made into movies, and that is my next step. I want to see this movie. But I should first start by saying that the book's Rebecca, and it is written by Daphne du Maurier. Du Maurier. Thank you. It's French. Yes, I was going to say, it's French and I'm going to butcher it. Who also, interestingly enough, she actually ended up writing the story that was later made into the Alfred 
Hitchhawk movie, Birds. Okay. And then Alfred Hitchcock. 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 Sorry. He ended up making Rebecca. So um, that's the one that I want to see. So that's my next. Boy, if Hitchcock did it, it's got to be dark gothic. <laughs> and I think it has, I think it has Laurence Olivier. Well, that was that era, so. And I mean, it has some good actors in there. So I'm excited. I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. Diana said I should. And she was right about this book, so I'm going to listen to her. So it starts off in Monte Carlo, and you have... Okay, so I can't remember her name, and I don't even honestly know if they mention it, because throughout the book, she ends up being called... She gets married, so she ends up being called by her married name. But um, basically, she is in Monte Carlo with an older woman, and she is kind of a companion to this older lady. Okay. She gets paid to be a companion to this older lady. And she doesn't really enjoy it, but... um, Who does? (laughs) But it pays well, and she doesn't seem to have family. So I think she she lost her family at a young age, which is why she's doing this as a means of living. Well, that's usually what happens to young ladies of certain family connections yes when everybody dies and they don't have anybody they end up being teachers or companions or governesses or something like that during that time period so on this trip they end up meeting the very rich well-known maxim de winter he is the owner of the state manderley and manderley is a very beautiful estate So everybody kind of knows, you know, he's an aristocrat. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows his estate. But what we end up finding out is that Maxim, or Mr. De Winters, has just lost his wife, whose name is Rebecca. And in the book, he's lost his wife because she used to do a lot of sailing by herself. And she got caught up, up in a bad storm and basically drowned. She ends up meeting Mr. De Winters, and the big companion. Yes, they end up falling in love, and they end up getting married, and so she becomes Mrs. De Winter. When you're referring to her in the book, it's always Miss De Winter, and when you're referring to Maxim's first wife, it's always by her first name, Rebecca. So she ends up going to Manderley. It's a whole new world for her. She's not accustomed to this world. So she's kind of trying to fit in and learn, but in the process, she makes mistakes. Unbeknownst to her mistakes. She soon starts to realize that... Nobody's telling her about her mistakes? She can just sense that people aren't happy with her presence there. She starts to realize that people are not over Rebecca's death. Miss Danvers, who's the head of the household, is definitely not over Rebecca's death. And she's very cold, very cold to Miss De Winters. It's a very icy relationship. And so this kind of starts playing into her psyche because she's just not comfortable. She is not comfortable with who she is because she feels like she's Rebecca's on a pedestal that she can never reach. Right. She feels like In the marriage, there's three people. It's her, Maxim, 
and the ghost of Rebecca. Everyone who talks about Rebecca talks about her beauty, just how beautiful how she was, how refined she was, her great taste. Um, so they <laughs> always have, they have such a high opinion of Rebecca. And then there's these snide comments like, oh, well, you're nothing like Rebecca. You know, comments like that that continue to play with her psyche. So one day they're holding a party in Manderley, and it's a costume party. And she decides that she is going to surprise her husband with the costume. So she doesn't tell anybody what she's going to dress up as. And when she finally does reveal her costume to them, it goes horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. And I'm not going to give too much details. But that is the start of this spiral of lies and truths. It's basically, hold on to your seatbelts. Because okay. as you're reading this, you're just like, wow. So yeah, that goes bad. And then right immediately after that, a ship, I think, ends up like being wrecked off the coast of where they live. And in the process of rescuing this ship, they make a discovery. A very shocking discovery that leads to a very shocking confession. Good grief. I'm going to have to read that book now because you're leaving out so much stuff. I mean, look. <laughs> I, I think, understand you can't give away too much, but I that's think, a lot. <laughs> I think you should because it reminded me of The Maidens. It reminded oh. me of The Silent Patient. It's bonkers. The surprise after surprise after surprise. I mean, it almost gets to the point where you're just like, whew, I need a breather because so much is going on, right? But in a good way. The ending is bittersweet because there is some resolution, but there's also some foreboding. So good. So it's one of those endings where, I mean, I almost wanted to be like, can you write maybe two or three more chapters? Maybe one of those chapters where you talk about their future, just because you're so invested in these characters. I mean, I got invested with these characters and I'm like, oh, I want, like, are they okay? <laughs> are they good? Are they fine? Um, yeah, I just don't really want to say much because this book was just amazing. Okay. Here's the thing. First of all, if you're not into like, there's romantic aspects to it, but it's not like your body, your bodice rippers, your like exotic novel romance. It's very much tamed. Because I think when I first picked it up and saw that it was romance, I was like, oh no, I think it's going to, no. It's, that's not my type of genre, so it's not really what I wanted to focus on, but no. Also, like I said, I'm not really big on scary stuff, which is why I've been taken surprised by the fact that I like gothic novels. Because I always thought gothic novels had gory elements to it. This does not I mean, it does, but not, it's not sufficient. Well, gothic romances were more into the psychological. And that's what it is. And that's why I love this. I mean, there's just not enough words that I can say about how much I love this book. I absolutely loved it. I completely understand why it's a classic and why movies keep being made. But yeah, I just don't want to give too much detail because I really 
feel like if you like the silent patient, if you like the maidens in terms of the surprises towards the end, you will want to read this book. Okay. I guess I talked so highly about it that Brie is actually listening to the audio. Okay. Give it a try because I really think you'd like it, Bonnie, and I would love to know what you think about it. Okay. Maybe one of these days it'll be on my list. <laughs> or else I'm going to have to continue bothering you. Have you read Rebecca? Have you read Rebecca? <laughs> and then I'll get Diana and Bree to both. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. How about you? Well, I read several books, of course. A lot of my books that I read this last time were a little heavier. Um, the subject of, matter okay. was a little heavier than just, you know, a cozy mystery. I read James Rollins' Kingdom of Bones. Okay. And if I've talked about his books before, uh, Sigma is a government agency that is kind of under the radar. They save the world without people knowing that they're saving the world with science and new technology and stuff like that. DARPA is is I always get part confused. of what they're involved with. Is James Rollins the one that also wrote, wrote... the Demon Crown about the bees? Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was some good stuff. Um, this book is about disease, pandemics. Oh, that's a very timely subject. <laughs> when he wrote it, it was copyrighted in 22, but he obviously wrote it a little bit before the pandemic, before COVID. Mm -hmm. um, but he wasn't sure he wanted to publish it after COVID happened because a lot of the stuff in it was so closely related to what happened with COVID. Wow. So you have real life imitating art in a way, even though he hadn't published it yet. He had already written the book mm -hmm. before COVID happened. But he decided to go ahead and do it. And I'm glad he did. Well, and I also think that goes to show how much research he puts. Because even though they're fiction books, he clearly does a good enough job of doing the research that it's it ends up being very real basically you have this uh, group of doctors that are in the Congo in Africa and they are doing their normal thing of helping people and all of a sudden everybody starts coming down with this disease that they don't know what it is so they're trying to figure out what it is. You have witch doctors involved and the tribes and different things. You also have the military, the not nice military like they do that wants to take over things. And you have the guy who wants to take over the world, the rich guy that just like, you know, your James Bond movies and everything else. I'm that, just curious. has the money and wants to. Is it always guys or is there always, or is, has there been like a woman who wants to? Oh, there's the been world? women too. Oh, okay. In, in these books. Equal opportunity. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Tucker and Kane, the guy who has the dog, Kane is the dog. He's okay. back in this book, plays a very important role in it. It's one of those books that I can't really tell you a lot of what goes on without telling you the book. So basically like but Rebecca. suffice it to say that when they find out that this disease is spreading from this little area in Africa, mm -hmm. 
they send Sigma in to see if they can find where it started and if there's a cure. Okay. So you've got two different groups here now. You've got Tucker and Kane and one of the Sigma guys that goes in with the doctors that because the camp gets attacked by this military group. Okay. So they're trying to get away, and they do manage to get so away. So it's not like the military of the country. It's like its own... It's it's this militia group by okay. this rich okay. guy. Okay. This, this rich guy's military arm. He has heard about these doctors, and he wants the doctors. So basically, he sends a helicopter, and they think they're getting on a good military flight, and they're not. Oh. They are taken to his compound and basically forced to more or less kill people with their research. He wants research done so that they can develop the vaccine using these people that are dying from the disease. Then you have this other group of Sigma guys that are out there trying, going through the jungle, trying to find the beginning different parts of it like i said it was very covid i mean you could just put covid in this book you know yeah but they talk about the fact that all diseases come from viruses viruses started everything we came from viruses and it's just like then the viruses change and mutate and what have you and some of them become bad for us and some of them are good for us but they always have this this idea the scientist does of this disease x that's going to come along and we aren't going to have any way to fight it and a lot of people were saying covid was like disease x the constant i mean that's why you have to constantly get flu shots because the flu strain is constantly mutating But when they find the beginning, and it's an interconnective forest and fungal network. It's like they get to this area in the middle of the Congo, which is called the Kingdom of Bones. And there's this forest. But if you look closely, all of the roots are interconnected on all the trees. And in amongst all the roots are fungi, like mushrooms and different types of fungi. We, we know mushrooms is the main fungi, but there's all different types of fungus. And I found this interesting because after I read this book, NPR had a thing on their show about growing mushrooms on trees to help with viruses and alleviate carbon buildup in the air and all of but this other this stuff. But in this case, the mushrooms were the cause of the... No. They were just there. It was just, they weren't the cause, Okay, but this is, it was part of where the cure came from. Well, and okay, so I'm I'm not sure that you would get this reference, but it's also very timely because there is a very popular HBO show called The Last of Us with Pedro Pascal, and it is based on the fact that, in this case, the fungi is bad. But it's based on the fact that it's bad fungi that has infected people and is able to control their minds, which there is a f- 
fungi like this in nature. Mm-hmm. But just talk about a timely thing. You're getting into, I mean, this book can relate to like COVID, but also this massively popular HBO show that has to do a lot well, yeah, along and, the lines of like that. Like I said, NPR had this thing about, you know, that studying growing mushrooms with trees and forest and stuff. And that's what this book is. And there are actually two forests in the United States that are very similar to what they call interconnectivity of the forest and the fungal networks. Wow. And there's one called Malhar National Forest in Oregon that is 8,000 year old, years old and covers 3.5 square miles. Then there's another one called Pando in Utah that has 40,000 interconnected clones of quaking aspen. It's all the roots are interconnected. And I just, I find his books fascinating because he takes these real things Mm -hmm. and does these really... Well, it's also a learning experience, right? Because I've never heard of this. And and in the book, they give you scientific terms and and they explain their ideas and all this stuff about how they're going to go about getting the viruses and uh, getting the uh, vaccines and, you know, how they're going to make them from this other stuff. And it, it was just fascinating to me. Plus, you've got the bang, bang. There's this military group and it's trying to stop them trying to stop Sigma from finding this forest. And it was a real thing because at the end of the book, he does this fact or fiction thing. Mm -hmm. And he'll tell you, yes, this was a real event that happened. And there was this real event that they were mining some kind of uh, phosphate or something in Africa, some kind of element in Africa Mm -hmm. that was being mined. And it blew up. It was like a nuclear bomb going off in the middle of the jungle. But in this particular case, it was a mine that the rich guy was having people dig in. And of course, he blew it up. He he killed all of these people just to keep somebody else from getting it. Well, I will say, it's, it's um, just the one book that we read, The Demon Crown, what I do appreciate is that he explains the science and he does it in a way that is interesting. I feel like sometimes, like, I don't know that I can read too many scientific books because sometimes it's like if you gave me a book on black holes I think that the terminology how it's explained might be go over my head yeah so I appreciate that he does a great job of explaining stuff and part where you can understand and part of that is because his scientist in his books the the scientist that he has has to explain stuff to the lay person (laughs) I mean, Sigma, they're scientists and stuff, too. Yeah. But they're like, okay, explain it to me so I can understand. And you have people like Tucker, who is not a scientist. He says, okay, you got to give it to me, like, in layman's terms. And so they do. They break it all down and explain it. So it's really kind of fun. Even if you're a scientist, right, there's various, like, you could be a chemist, ecologist, geologist. So that may not be your realm, That's the fun thing about Sigma and why they always have these interconnecting things going on because each one of the persons in the group has a different specialty. Okay. 
And so that's why this group goes here and this group ends up over here. And they have, they're usually fighting things on two or three different fronts, trying to save the world from the bad guys. Awesome. But I found it very good. Another one I read was by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. It's the third book in the series that he started writing about Nora Kelly, the archaeologist, and Corey Swanson, the FBI agent. Mm-hmm. They're at it again. <laughs> They're out in the desert in New Mexico at Roswell this time. And basically what has happened now, Laura has quit her job at the university because bypassed her for a promotion, and then they wanted her to do all of this grunt work. Without their promotion. Huh? Without the promotion. So you have this guy called Lucas Tappan, who is a very eccentric billionaire. Think... Elon Musk? Yeah. <laughs> And he's decided that he wants to prove that there actually is an alien spaceship at Roswell, that an alien spaceship actually landed in Roswell, and that it's been a cover-up by the government all these years. And he wants to prove this scientifically. I mean, he must have a lot of money to do that. Now, you have the military bases out there in Roswell, Mm -hmm. you know, and close by supposedly to keep people from finding out yeah what's going on of course one thing leads to another Uh and i won't tell you what they found out (laughs) i i i I saw the grin and i was like she's not gonna tell us but it gets it gets really hairy you have a rogue military group that is overseeing this particular area where they were doing their research. They have this ground penetrating radar and they had the satellite images and all this stuff and they found some dead bodies, but they weren't aliens, they were just people. And then, so that's where Corey comes in because Nora digs these people up and it they were shot. So now Ooh. you gotta call in the FBI because it's government property To find out what happened to these people. And it goes from there. And we have this rogue military group that is, yeah. It gets really (laughs) scary and um, interesting. I wish our viewers could see your face. Did they prove that there was actually aliens that landed on Earth? That is the question. And that's where I'm going to leave it. That sounds very good. Then there was John Sanford writes the Prey series with Lucas Davenport and Virgil Flowers and that group. His latest one is called Righteous Prey, and it deals with bitcoins. Huh, another timely issue. Um, And you have these five people who have become bitcoin billionaires. They were just these, like, waitresses or bus drivers or whoever, and they bought a couple of Bitcoins and just kept going, and now they're billionaires. You said there's five of them, right? There's five of them, and then there is an overseer. Because these five, with this overseer, decide that there are just people in the world that justice can't, that the regular law system cannot touch, and they are going to kill them. Vigilantes. Yes, but the way they do it is... They kill them. I mean, it's obviously murder. There's no question about the fact. It's not like they're making it look accidental. They're murdered, but then this other person puts it out on this website 
like on Twitter, for everybody to know that, hey, the five are taking care of these people, and we're not telling you who they are until after we kill them. Do we? But they give you a clue as to who the next person might be. Do we find out what the victims did? Oh, yeah. You know what the victims did. They're sleazy businessmen, people who are involved in sex trade stuff that are okay. getting by. So it's not little crimes like... No, these they've committed really big crimes, but because these people are also rich, yeah. the people they're killing are also rich, they're getting away with it. And these five have decided, because of their background, one of them is killing a guy... He's from the, like, slum areas of Mm -hmm. his city. And he's killing the guy who supplied guns to people in his neighborhood. And stuff like that. So, yeah. And this is interesting because as wrong as their actions are, I'm sure that people... Yeah, people are are like, ooh, yay! And they actually end up having a copycat killer. And this one that they have to say, hey, it's great that you guys are taking up our cause for us, but this isn't because they number them. This isn't one of ours. And of course, they have to, Lucas and Virgil are called in and they have to, they're flying all over the country because these people are all over the country. Mm -hmm. And of course, the group implodes. Some of them are killing other people in the group for various reasons. So it gets really convoluted on yeah. in all this. But it, it was pretty interesting. It sounds um, interesting. But the fact that after they kill this person, they say, okay, we're going to put so many hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin into this account for this organization that was hurt by the guy they killed. It was a charitable organization. And because of his work, it wasn't getting what it needed. Yeah. So we are going to put quarter of a million dollars in Bitcoin in this account. And if you want it, take it. But if you think it's blood money and you don't want to use it, it'll just sit there. And so that's what the five are doing with their Bitcoin. And so far, nobody has refused to take the money. They're like, you know. It's a very interesting concept, too, because they start off like they end up being hypocrites because they start off with the righteous sense of I'm going to do right because justice hasn't taken care of these people and then they just are turn out to be as corrupt it seems as the people that they've killed. Oh yeah. They've become billionaires but so they're obviously above I mean that is part of They find themselves they think they're above the law too. That is part of human nature. Not everyone is like that, but there certainly are yeah. some people, unfortunately, like that. So that gets kind of interesting. And I thought it was interesting that they don't know each other's names, supposedly, even though they have all met at Bitcoin conferences, but they don't know each other. The only person who knows everybody is the sixth person, Sao, who handles the... Uh, internet the postings overseer? and everything. Yeah. Okay. So everybody knows her name and she knows everybody. But the other people don't know. And some of them end up guessing and getting it correct. Okay. My but mind's already working on because, this. Because they don't know their names, they use their town 
and the airport symbol for the town to identify themselves when they're talking to each other. Oh. So San Francisco was SFO, New Orleans was MSY, St. Paul was MSP, New York was JFK, and Cleveland was CLE. These are, these are the names they went by, and that's part of what uh, Lucas and Virgil have to figure out is that, oh, because they give you kind of a clue after they kill one person, mm-hmm. they give you a clue of where they're going next. So they have to try to figure out who it is they're going to try to kill and help save the guy and catch the guy doing it. So it was kind of interesting, you know, that whole concept. And then the last one I'll talk about is Sandra Brown. I told you I read some heavy books this time. Sandra Brown, and it's called Overkill. You have this ex-Super Bowl champ called Zach Bridger. His ex-wife, Rebecca, not any relation, (laughs) um, get divorced. Rebecca is a party animal. And you have this guy, Eben Clark, who is a wealthy brat. Okay. His dad and the family lawyer have enabled this guy to just be a social meanness. I mean, just he... Has he been in trouble with the law? Yes. Is this something that the previous characters would have gone after him? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, But he has these orgies. Oh. He has these parties that that only certain people are invited to. You have to be of a certain level to come to his parties. And there's booze and drugs. And sex. But Rebecca is not underage. Mm -hmm. But he sees her at the party. She's purported to be very beautiful. He latches onto her and ends up, during the party, he and his two friends take her upstairs to the bedroom. Now, she is a very willing participant. We will say this. She is an extremely willing participant in this. Okay. Until the moment where she's not and... That's where you have the problem because Eben is doing that thing where you choke people, Mm. you know, in the sexual, while you're doing the sexual act, you choke people and he didn't stop choking until she's at the point where she's comatose. Her heart is beating, but her brain basically isn't functioning. Oh. And when his two friends, who are all doped up and drunk, I mean, everybody is doped up and drunk. Yeah. Realize that there's a problem. They try to get him to stop and he doesn't stop. So they call 911. She ends up in the hospital. And because of issues with her former husband, he is now responsible to say whether to pull the plug or not. The former husband is. Even though they're exes. Because he's been told that she never changed her medical power of attorney. Was the divorce amicable? No. It was not. Oh. And the whole world (laughs) knows it was not because he's an ex-football player. So it was all out on social media that he and his wife split up. And now it's all out there again that now he has the power to pull the plug And, of course, her parents are like, oh, my God, don't do this. You know, that would be tragic. And and her father hates him, hates Zach. But one thing leads to another, and you have this 
state prosecutor, Kate, who goes out to Zach because she's trying to tell him that the only way to bring Eben to justice is for Rebecca to die because he's already been let out because she didn't die. He didn't spend any time in jail. He got off because she didn't die while the other two guys who didn't have as good a lawyers ended up spending like four years in jail just for being accomplices. And this guy is out, you know, roaming around. Yeah. No consequences whatsoever on him because he's, I think, the family lawyer stepped in and got him the deal. And now he's just out roaming around. They bought him a Porsche for getting out of jail. Yes, he was oh, in jail wow. when he was released <laughs> early. Um, his father bought him a Porsche and all this kind of stuff. And so um, problematic. But the prosecutor is trying to tell Zach that the only way to bring Eben to justice is for Le- Rebecca to die and to pull the plug so that then they can charge him with murder. Oh, wow. But until she actually dies, they can't charge him with murder. And there is a time limit. Whew. So, yeah. And, of course, you got her parents fighting it. And now Eben is finding out that this prosecutor is out there to get him. So now he is doing stuff to try to get her, to try to do away with her and Zach before they can decide to do away with Rebecca. And it gets really convoluted at the end because everybody's been telling Zach lies about Rebecca and his relationship to her. And her father kept secrets about things that she did or didn't do that really affected Zach. I have so many questions. I think I'm going to have to just read this book. Yeah, you probably are. But it, it's it's just one of those books that you want to you want to jump in and grab even by the throat and choke him, you know. Oh yeah. Because now that um he's trying to get back with his friends and his friends are like, "Hey dude, we don't want to have anything to do with you. We are on parole. We had to go spend time in jail." Yeah. And you're out like we're on parole, and you don't even have parole. You're out running around free and clear. Of course, but there was no he wants learned. them back because he wants them to do his dirty work for him. And of course, one of them's married now, and his wife is pregnant, and so he oh, doesn't yeah. want to have anything to do with it. Does he blackmails them. So they try. Yes, he blackmails wow. them, and he, he he threatens the families and all this stuff. Eben does. They try to counterattack, and that doesn't work well. But I got to tell you, I will tell you, even gets his just desserts in the end, but it's not how you expect it to happen. Now you gave me more questions. There you go. I'm definitely going to have to read this book. Yes, and we'll stop there. All right, well, thank you for sharing your reads. This coming month, this next one is our Reader's Choice. Our group read for June is Moment in Time by Suzanne Redfern. I, this one, May, next week, is going to be our Reader's Choice. We'll talk about Reader's Choice in our Lit Chat. We hope to hear from you guys. If you want to come to our Lit Chat, it's always the second Thursday of the month from 1 to 2. You're always welcome, even if you know you didn't get a chance to read our group reading, you're more than welcome to come. Um, you can also leave us comments and yeah, let us know what you're reading or just stop by and listen to what we're reading. 
Alright guys, well with that, I'm gonna say goodbye. This is PJ. This is Bonnie. Bye guys.